a little nervous now. My, I feel my, I feel my heart rate like yeah, my ears. No, I'm staring at you. Actually. My heart rate just went <laughs> up. Yeah, I'm a little nervous about that, Church. <laughs> well, I guess this is the first chair where I'm kind of standing up. First stand. Yeah, with there George you go. Thomas. So, learning from failure. We're going to have a panel discussion tonight with Jonathan Ballou, Chris Rogers, Stacy Garish. And Nick Alfieri, we're here doing this because uh, really of an idea that you had and approached me with. Um, so did Nate Gardner. Uh, you guys really wanted to talk about failure and the benefits of it. Yeah, yeah. I, maybe I can give a little bit of a backstory where this came from. Uh, I, I've been going down to New Zealand for the last two years, and I wanted to get involved in the SBINZ and the NZSIA process down there and become an examiner. So I went down there as a national team member and went through the trainers program for them. And long story short, came up short. Uh, I failed my trainers exam. And that, that was tough. That felt like a really big failure to me because, and, and I, think, I think maybe part of that was the expectation I felt other people had of me as, a, as an ASI national team member and uh, some of the expectation even of that organization, like, oh, you're a national team member, you'll come in and you'll crush it. And I think I gave into that a little bit and sort of was like, yeah, you're right, I, I am gonna crush it. So when I came up short, which I absolutely deserved to have come up short, I don't argue that in any way, it was really crushing and did, did a lot, um, even to the point where it affected me the, this whole, the whole uh, Northern Hemisphere season after that. And so I started to look into like, well, what is failure? How do we deal with failure emotionally? Um, how, do, how, do we, uh, how do we get over failure? How do we use failure as a stepping stone? And as you guys know, we deal with failure all the time. And it's really funny because I haven't had to deal with a personal failure in, in a while. It had been a little bit, but we deal, with, we deal with failures of people in exams or people coming to us. So it was really great, a really great eye-opener for me to be on the other side and just start to do some introspection and trying to figure out why, why it was so tough and things I could do to make it easier. So that's why we're here. <laughs> that's the backstory. And I think it was really important to have people of your caliber as far as your ability uh, and what you do in skiing and riding as well as educating. I mean, you're the best of the best. And I don't think we look at you and, and our first thought is, oh, here's a bunch of people who have failed. <laughs> Jonathan, you look like you've got something to say. <laughs> yeah, like oh, always. <laughs> oh, on that note. No. Um, <laughs> no, failure is seriously important, and all of us fail often, um, more often than we succeed. And, you know, if, if you don't recognize that you fail more often than succeed, then either you're not trying things hard enough or you're deceiving yourself. Um, there is some learning that happens from success, and there's far more learning that happens from failure, and this is kind of why. Success is recognition of learning that has happened. So when we succeed, what we learned is that we did learn something, or that we have improved, provided it's something you didn't succeed at before, which would mean that you had failed before. And what failure does is it marks a point on a journey towards learning, so it helps you gauge where you are relative to where you wish to be. Multiple failures are not, um, are not bad. That's not a bad thing at all. What it is, 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 is especially if, they, if they're different each time. If they're the same each time, we have a problem. But if they're different each time, what it is is marking points along a journey. And the journey is the effort to learn. 
And that's the most important part. What you learn is not nearly as important, or what degree you learn it to is not nearly as important as the effort we put in towards learning it, and that we are on a path for development. And without failures or incomplete successes, we don't have any real gauge for where we are relative to where we want to be. Well said. Stacy. when I asked you to be a part of this panel, you said, yes, I want to be on. There was no hesitation. <laughs> Why is this a topic you're so willing and ready to talk about? In fact, all of you were. Um, well, I think for me personally, kind of to Nick's point and Jonathan's point, um, I have also experienced quite a few failures in my career. Um, but I, and I've learned so much from them, and I think it's a really important topic. And I think we spend a lot of time as trainers helping people to reach a point of success, and it's, it's really equally as important to spend time in that process and understand that every step in either direction towards failure or success is an opportunity to learn. Um, there's a leadership quote that I believe in, and I'm sure I'm not gonna get it completely straight here, but um, it has something to do with um, when you're comfortable in your leadership, you're not actually leading. Um, and it's those times when you're, when you're more courageous and you're willing to put yourself out there and challenge yourself, that's when the real learning takes place. And I think for all of us as we um, progress in our careers, it's even more important that we continue to put ourselves out there and take risk and be willing to fail forward. And um, it's, I don't know, it's, it's painful at times to go through failure, but it's also really rewarding when you can step back and take a look at what you learn from that process. Chris, is there really a learned way to handle failure? Because I would think there are a number of people they train with you and go through the process of preparing for an exam or uh, a specialist and don't pass. And sometimes there'd be a tendency to want to blame someone else, blame the trainer. Uh, you didn't get me prepared enough. So how do we really take responsibility for what we do? Stacy just hit on something um, when she said fail forward. I absolutely love the concept of fail forward. Uh, and, and, and really what that entails, Nick a minute ago said one of the reasons it was so difficult for him when he failed was because he hadn't had a personal failure like that in a long time. And, and, and that really goes towards that idea of us needing to fail to learn. And, and what Jonathan said uh, in that success is really that that uh, validation that learning has occurred when, when you have that success. Failure is, is a, a checkpoint along the way towards success. And um, when we don't experience those failures, we stop learning how to fail forward. We stop learning how to um, take that, that negative feedback, that, that feeling of, of failure. And you know, a lot of times that is an emotional feeling of failure. We stop, we stop learning how to use that and create forward momentum. And I think um, you know, th that sense that learning is a, it's, it's not a black and white. You know, when you get your Cert 3 or when you achieve your level 2, that isn't saying you're suddenly now a better instructor. It's the path that you went through. It's the process of, of reaching for that goal that actually makes you the better instructor. The, the certificate and, or, or the success in anything we go through, um, achieving that goal isn't the actual success. It's the process we went through to make ourselves better that made us able to achieve that. Um, and so when it comes down to how we hold ourselves accountable individually or how we go for things and, and hold ourselves accountable, uh, it's going into those things with that mindset that, that success doesn't always happen, that failure is okay, 
and building that, that concept in our heads that, that it is okay. Sometimes we're not going to land on our feet. Sometimes we are going to have to pick ourselves back up. Um, and, and the more as trainers we can do to set up our, our staff to go into uh, exams with that mindset, the better. And in exams, the more we can do to cultivate that uh, fail forward mentality, the better we're going to be. That, uh, that, that brings something up just listening to you talk there, Chris, something that I think about is it's really easy, uh, like when you're starting something new and you're getting involved in a career or you're learning something, at the beginning you expect failure, right? It's really easy. You're like, oh yeah, sweet, I failed at that, but I'm learning. And, and, uh, and then as you, you get better and better and you get to a certain level, you expect to not fail anymore because you feel like your competency is really high when in fact you should be failing just as much, if not more, right? Because you're trying harder things. You should, st you should still be taking risks. And to that point you're talking about, if you don't take risks, um, you, you, you won't fail, right? Or you won't su have successes or either of those. So that's, that's a really important part. And I think we tend to think about that kind of inversely. And we tend to think that when we start, it's okay to have failures. And when we get better, we shouldn't have any. When really it's it's easier to have <laughs> the, the more you go because you're dealing with more intricate things. And we, we can, we, it's easy. I see lots of people who get stuck in that and they don't push themselves outside of their comfort zone because they're scared mm -hmm. that the failure will somehow demote their competency or demote uh, people's perception of their competency or whatever it is. And that was for me what I, I really felt. And, and, I, and I felt it and I was like, I know this isn't true, but it's a feeling I have. And I know it doesn't change who I am, but it's a feeling I have, so how can I use this feeling? And then going through that process again for a second time the next season, I learned so much more. I, have, I feel set up better for success having missed out a season and then coming back, failed, coming back, I feel more ahead now than if I would have passed it initially. But that was hard for me to wrap my head around for a little while. Excellent point. And to Chris's point and your question, George, about handling failure, um, it really comes down to values in our mindset. Um, we look at failure as like, oftentimes in the context I often hear it, it's failure at an exam or failure at, um, at a particular test or failure at getting a job. It's, um, those are big failures and they are gonna have an emotional response. They're gonna have a large emotional response. All failures, first of all, have an emotional response. But those are big ones because they're failures with large consequences. Either it's the job I wanted to get or it's the cert I didn't get that I put the money into I didn't get yet. I will get eventually, but I didn't get yet the job that I hopefully will get someday. Um, it, everybody has to find their own way of dealing with the emotional response quickly and effectively to put them from blame to negative and negativity into reflection. But a way to do that is to think about it from, from kind of the concept of magnitude. Those are high magnitude failures. They have a lot of, they have a lot of, um, uh, a lot of consequence. But how about a low magnitude failure that has very little consequence? every bad turn you make, every time you did not hit the edge or the bump or the jump the way you wanted to is a failure. And your response to it is always slightly negative, but it's so nominal that you immediately reflect and say, ah, it wasn't good. I'm gonna do it right this time. Or I'm gonna do it this way this time. Sometimes it's a big enough failure that you stop in the run. It's like that, you throw your pole on the ground, kick stuff, you sit down for a second, and then you get back up with a new idea and you have more success. So if you think of it that way, that it's on a spectrum, 
but it's not like failure is determined by this thing with giant external results, but it's the thing we do all the time that incites learning. It can help us to bump us into a reflective process sooner in those points with greater consequence. Um, this will sound sort of funny, but I'm actually grateful for my failures um, on a regular basis because I'm not sure that I would still be in this industry or in my career today if it hadn't been for the failures along the way. Those are the things that motivate me, whether it is the turn I made today where I got really apt, um, or not passing an exam, or whatever the failure is. Each time that happens to me, I have to shift my mindset, I have to shift my expectations, and I need to look, it's very introspective, um, to, to look at yourself and go, okay, where, why did that happen? I'm accountable to what happened, and how can I grow from that and learn from that? And to me, I find that really motivating because um, it makes me want to try harder, and it makes me want to continue in the industry and along the path. And, and I hope that that inspires other people to look at failures in a more positive light. I don't know about you guys, but what I see oftentimes in the trainers that work for me and work with me, um, the managers that work for me and work with me, um, and my mentors, they're people who I can look at when they got the new job or they got the certification or they got the accolade. I can say, that person really earned it. That person really worked for it, and that really inspires me. And that person who really earned it and really worked for it tends to stay longer in the industry and be more productive than the person that just sort of got it really quickly. What does that really mean, though, when somebody really worked for it and really earned it? Generally, it means they failed a whole bunch of times. It took them longer. They had to put in harder work, and that hard work means that they tried something, it didn't work, they tried it differently the next time. It may not have been obvious failures, but the work was obvious, and the work is relative to the failures. The people that I see who, who, who choose things that are too easy for them and just progress or, st or stagnate, they usually leave the industry. They rarely ever achieve true greatness and they don't become inspirational you know that that point is really awesome and those people you're talking about those are the people you want because they have one of the best skills I think an instructor or someone in this industry can have which is empathy right yeah. it's empathy and failure is such a good tool to have empathy and we have to understand where our students are coming from mm -hmm. and if we lose sight of that we're done, you know? We're not, we're not connecting with our student. There's so much stuff that happens there. And so when you put people like that in leadership positions that have empathy, you get more success out of them and you get more success out of the people below them. So, so it's, this, it's this cycle that has so many benefits. And it's funny because it all stems from that, that ability to fail and be introspective and reflect and have empathy with everyone, and that's what built it for you. So I love that point. That's really cool. I, like, I just wanted to drop the empathy piece in there. I think that's phenomenal. And it ties into something we did at, um, at Interski in 2015. Um, a few of us had the task of going around and interviewing other um, Interski team members and asking, what, what's, what are the fundamentals of teaching? What's, what's really the fundamentals of a great lesson of a, or fundamental qualities of a great instructor, depending on which group we were asking? And there were a lot of standardized responses, but no matter where somebody came from in the world, one word came out of absolutely every interview, and it was empathy. And not only is, it a great, is, is failure a great tool for empathy, it's a requirement. If you're gonna share the feelings and emotions of somebody else, you have to have experienced it at some point. So if you're going to inspire somebody who's not successful yet, you must also not have been successful. Which ties directly into this whole team's theme of lifelong learning and our new 
mission statement, vision statement of creating lifelong adventures through education. And, and our team continually putting ourselves in situations where we're the beginner again. This summer, um, I learned how to hydrofoil wake surf and I fell a lot. And there is nothing better to generate empathy than putting yourself back in those shoes. And it doesn't have to be failing at your level three. It can be learning something new, picking up a new sport, picking up um, a, a new hobby and, and finding those opportunities to fail and fail regularly so that it isn't such a big deal. I mean, I remember, same thing. Like I remember failing, I crystal clear remember failing my level three uh, the first time I went for it and, and dr that drive home and just the feeling of like, I just let down my trainers, I let down my supervisors, I let down everyone who trained me. And if you don't have those regular opportunities where you're putting yourself out there and having those opportunities to fail, to fall, um, to not, you know, to come up short, to not succeed, it's going to be have a higher impact when you do. And I really liked your concept of the magnitude of the failure. And, and sometimes it can just take those smaller opportunities to fail so it isn't quite as big of that, the magnitude of failure. Well said. So how are you able to focus your mind on what's coming next instead of dwelling on what happened in the past or thinking, oh my gosh, I wore this pair of socks when I took that exam. I can't wear this pair of socks again. I took the exam at this mountain. There's no way I can do it here. <laughs> Which I know sounds funny, but I know it also happens a lot. George, first of all, superstition has no place in skill acquisition. <laughs> Sorry, man. <laughs> but I wore my lucky socks today. <laughs> no, seriously, um, I'll throw in a little bit. You got something to say uh, <laughs> other than that. Um, you got to go through whatever you go through to get out of blame and to get to ownership. And ownership doesn't mean I, oh, I'm placing ownership on something that I own, like a pair of socks. It has to be on my own skills. So, but you can't just artificially go there. Everybody has a model of grief they have to go through. And you, hopefully, if you're emotionally mature and aware, you get through it faster. If you don't, learn how to. That's a, that's a learned skill. Um, and so getting through that faster to do what Chris just said. He said his feeling of, um, uh, when he left his level three, his unsuc unsuccessful level three, was that he let down trainers. He's the first, he's at a very close step to saying, what will I do differently so that I succeed next time? Because it was about him, the blame was on him and what he didn't do. Now, it wasn't, I need to, this is the distance between where I am and where I need to be to improve, but that's the next step. So the closer we can get to ownership immediately after failure, the sooner we get to resolution and uh, some sort of reflection that takes us to a new process. Um, just to tag on to that, I would say failure is unapologetic. And it's, and it's definitely not necessary to apologize for failure. Um, it takes a lot of vulnerability to accept that, and it takes a lot of courage to move forward and try it again. I think some of the best instructors and trainers that I work with or see on, on the Hill are the instructors, kind of to Jonathan's point a little while ago, but the instructors who had to go through maybe multiple times of the process because their amount of, their depth of learning is so great. You know, if they're unsuccessful at, um, at a specific task, at a snowboard exam or an alpine exam, for example, they have to work that much harder to succeed at that task. Their understanding, the process they went through to gain that understanding becomes more transferable as an instructor. So they're so much better at teaching that same skill because of the process they went through to get the success. Yeah, so, so, something to tie in there, and 
And I love what you said. And I don't want to cheapen the people who have gone through the process and passed everything first right. time, first yeah. try, because they put a lot of work in, right? But I think it's about identifying strengths and weaknesses, mm-hmm. right? And some people, uh, when we say they had to put so much more effort into it, I, I think about that in personal strengths and weaknesses. And, and you might be strong in this area or, or weak over here, whatever it is. So you have to find that line where you're starting to fail in those areas, and that's how you hone in. So just because one person's failure is at this level and the other person's failure is here, that's in that one area. That's in that one quality. So it's about taking um, a, a big picture look at yourself and thinking about all the different areas and all your strengths and all your weaknesses and moving those bars up kind of individually so you can get to that point. You know, when I do something, if I feel like I've prepared the best I can in the amount of time that I ha- have, and I've really trained to the best of my ability, and I can't do any more, if I go in and I fail, then it's easy for me to accept that. Um, and if you beat me, then I'm actually happy for you, because I was at my best when I went into that, and it's very easy for me to deal with failure if I'm at my best and someone else beats me or I don't achieve my goal, which, I mean, as I say that, that sounds kind of funny, but um, if I go into something and I'm not prepared, then I really take the blame and and that's hard for me to deal with. It's kind of interesting because you you just kind of uh, compared that to competitive sports where you're competing against someone else. And and what's interesting in our organization is is you're really competing against yourself and, and trying to create the better version of yourself against a set standard. Um, and, and so you don't always have that ability to say, you know, I think it's where some people do, do struggle with not being successful, even though they feel like they were fully prepared, is they don't have that ability to say, well, I was fully prepared, I did everything I could, but Stacy was better than I was and she, she came in first. Because it is against the subjective standard. And so you always have to come away from those failures saying, at some point in this, I came up short, I didn't do what I needed to do, versus saying somebody else did it better. And that's, that's a hard thing to do, and I think it really closely ties to the ego of what we do in our sport, right? We, we have an implicit bias in our industry of saying, I know this sport well enough to teach you how to do it. Or I know this sport well enough to train you how to teach you to do this. And so there's this inherent ego, which ties very closely to the fear of failure. If I'm saying, I know this so well, then admitting that I failed is saying, it's, it's taking that personal responsibility to say, you know, you weren't quite as prepared as you needed to be. You weren't quite there. Um, and I think, you know, even today, I, uh, I got up to the mountain this morning and realized I'd forgotten a beanie. And I could have just oh, sucked it up. Failure. I could have just sucked it up and put my goggles on and put my helmet on and, and gone through the discomfort of the day and not had to admit to anyone that I failed. Something but instead, and you can, you can. But... But I turned to my friends around me and I said, hey, I forgot a beanie. And that's, it sucks. It's embarrassing, right? Like, even something as small as that is like that ego hit of like, oh my God, I forgot a hat today. And then I had to wear a Beaver Creek hat, which I was very proud to represent Beaver Creek today. Fortunate, fortunate to wear a Beaver Creek hat today. Yeah, you know, um, kind of to highlight and maybe bring this uh, a little bit full circle is... I've, I've tried to, through this process with this last failure I experienced in the last couple of years, this, talking about it with people, so key. Like, that was it, and just trying to be like, like you said, failure is unapologetic, right? 
this process right here is really, really key. And sometimes we get in that mode of we failed. I'm not going to talk about it then I'm going to internalize it all. And I'm just going to deal and I'm going to do better next time, which is still learning. But you, you miss out on a lot of advice and a lot of other really good, good advice you can get from your friends, your mentors, your peers, whatever that is. So this process is, is good. And so it's, it's really cool for me to sit here in front, of, in front of people or talk with you guys as it's happening for me. And it feels, it feels good. So thanks, guys. <laughs> well said, Nick. Uh, we were just talking, and since I wear my goggles over my helmet, um, I, I don't have empathy for your your, um, I, your your lack of beanie with helmet. I just haven't been there. I'm sorry. I, mean, this is, I have this some is, sympathy. I have this some is sympathy. actually an organic plug for a future show we're doing on goggles over versus goggle under. That's right. <laughs> I'll be listing. Maybe I'll learn something. Um, I had something. Oh, I remember what it was. Um, it was on your point, Nick. Um, you're talking about internalizing and not talking about things. I want to talk a little bit about high magnitude failures and dealing with it for a second. Um, oftentimes, I see candidates who go through a high magnitude failure, that exam failure, tryout failure, whatever it is, ask questions that just don't help. They don't help with the grief process. They don't move them forward. The question that I often hear is, most often hear as an examiner, is why did I fail? or something like that. I'm happy to talk about the past if that's what you want to do, but that's not failing forward. That's just staying on the ground. The more important question to ask is, what do I need to do next time? What's the deficiency? What do I need to develop? And being proactive. And just thinking that way, asking that way, changes the dialogue between the person who just gave you a failing score and yourself, which changes the mentality of it, to a very positive forward-thinking way of dealing with things. Well, we do need to wrap up. We got a question in from Brennan Metzler that is going to go to each of you. Awesome. <laughs> you are all right deemed successful people. How does failure play into you? And of course, I just lost it. <laughs> How does failure play into your success and what you do now? Uh, the silence is yeah, over. Yeah, go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to return to my empathy point. That's, that's the point I'm going to anchor that back to you for myself is that's 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 who i am is or who we are i mean as as instructors and such a tr strong skill you talked about at Innerski. um the one thing that came up was empathy so that's that's how it is for me that's my point um for me i think the fear of failure is a real fear for a lot of people and um i've learned how to deal with that personally and so for me it's sort of to use the word anchored anchored me where i am today to have not only empathy but um, uh, compassion or um, I'm, I'm inspired to help people move through that. So I like to kind of work through that with the people that I'm training and let them know it's okay. Kind of like we're doing this on Facebook Live. Nobody ever posts anything about failures on Facebook, right? They only <laughs> ever so post really when point. they pass. <laughs> like you don't see people come out of an event like, I just failed my level two, you know? But it's okay, post it. Like, stand in it, own it, you know, because you're going to learn from that and move forward from it. And so I think for me, I'm just kind of, I've got more courage now, I think, to talk about successes and failures. I think going back to that level three and not being successful there, um, I went back and, and passed a month later with some, some good feedback from from the examiners that, that I was w there with and from so with some help from the trainers at my home mountain. I think without that failure, uh, the 2008 tryouts would have been very different. Uh, I went into that as a very young instructor still, 
And I was able to walk out of the 2008 tryouts with so much feedback, so much inspiration for what I wanted to do. I mean, I went to that tryout because people told me I needed to. And I left that tryout saying, I want to be on the national team. And I think looking at peers in that tryout environment who left that tryout crushed, the difference was fear of failure and, and how you were able to fail forward. Uh, I, I left that saying, I just saw 80 of the best people, best instructors in, in the country try out for this, this amazing honored position. And I just learned 20 things I can do to take steps towards that over the next four years or eight years. Um, and I absolutely feel like that helped me uh, work into passing my trainer's exam, becoming an examiner in the Rocky Mountain Division, um, and then uh, into, into the 2016 tryouts. And, um, you know, I think the more that you can do to find the things you take away from failure, to get up and move forward, uh, and again, it's not about the success. It's about the process towards the success. And, uh, you know, the, the, the benefit you receive from striving for a goal, coming up short, and getting up and striving for that goal again. I, I think that's really uh, where I take success out of, out of failure. And it really comes down to are you, you know, is failure a 200-pound dog that's dragging you by the leash? Or is it a, is it a poodle that you're walking, um, you know, that knows how to heal? <laughs> Uh, I have Jack Russells. Um, so uh, I'll give you a specific and a general example. Um, so the question was more general and forward thinking, but I'll give a specific past example, um, which is very similar to Chris's. I went to the 2008 tryouts in Mammoth and I was unsuccessful. Um, I did well. I had good marks in areas. Um, made it to the end. Well, not quite to the end. I made it to the day before the end. Um, I made it to Friday. I didn't make it to Saturday. Um, but what, what I saw, when I saw the people succeed and me not succeed, I saw a very clear difference in what I did, particularly in one area, in clinic presentation, in my, my core belief, the way they did it, how they formulated it. It was distinctly different from what I did. And my failure was there were some skill set failures for sure. My primary failure was I did not understand the job. And what it did is made me analyze, do I want this job? If it's different from my understanding, is it one that I actually want? And through a, a, through a period of time, not very long, a couple weeks, um, I gained a much stronger understanding of what the job was and realized I, I really do want that. So I changed my training methodologies to make me more successful. And then that change is, is perpetuated. Um, but on a general basis, uh, since the question was, how do my failures affect my decisions or something along that lines, is that uh, my belief that failures are not a problem that aren't negative, but they're benchmarks along the way. I try to set, I do set goals that I can't necessarily attain. I set goals that are lofty, that, are, that have a lot of time to them, um, and will probably require some failure on, along the way to them. And I try to enter those, the process to achieving those goals, not afraid of the failure, but focused on the eventual success. I think that pretty well sums this up, unless you want to add anything else and follow that. Are we the class of 2008 that failed? Yeah. I think we are. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, George. Jonathan Ballou, Chris Rogers, Stacey Garish, Nick Alfieri, thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks. See ya. Hot dog. <laughs> Yay, team. Yay, team.